In Atlanta, one voice has stood out for over four decades. An AJC original, The Monica Pearson Show. Let's talk about how you got to ESPN. Revealing interviews. You are known as America's doctor, but I want to know who you were before that. When you have a different name, you have different color skin, it can be tough. With Atlanta's most famous faces as you've never seen them before. I'm telling my story. This is the American dream. The Monica Pearson Show, streaming now on AJC.com. The AJC's trusted veteran political voices, Greg Bluestein, Patricia Murphy, Tia Mitchell, and Bill Nygut are the essential source for Georgia politics. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Politically Georgia. Sign up for the newsletter, download the podcast, subscribe to the AJC. The Hawks learned what their schedule will be for the 2022-23 year. So, how do they stack up? Welcome to the Hawks Report, the new podcast from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution that gives you the stories behind the score. I'm Lauren Williams, the new Hawks beat reporter here at the AJC, and we've been putting out episodes a little bit sporadically. Uh, it's the off-season, things are a little bit slow, but the NBA released the schedule today and we're here to talk about it. So if you're listening to us for the first time, please make sure to follow along um, using Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. So as I mentioned just a while ago, the NBA released its schedule for the upcoming season. And here to talk about it with me today is sports columnist from the AJC, Mr. Michael Cunningham. Uh, thank you so much for joining me, Michael. Thanks for having me back. I guess that means I went a disaster the other time. <laughs> Definitely not a disaster. All Definitely right, not a disaster. All right, that's my bar. Don't be a disaster. <laughs> so did you get a chance to look over the schedule and, and see what's on the slate for this Hawks team? Yeah, it's always, uh, you know, I'm an NBA fan, NBA guy. So it's always kind of an exciting day to, to get the schedule and kind of get that reminder that, oh, yeah, basketball ain't, ain't too far away, right? Camp opens here in, what, a little bit over a month, right? So yeah, camp will open and um, mm -hmm. we'll have basketball. So this is a good reminder of that. And it's always good to kind of look at the schedule, but it's totally unpredictable. Of course, there's always injuries and, mm -hmm. and whatnot. There's always the trade deadline, but you kind of look at the schedule and kind of get a feel of how, how tough of a time the Hawks might have. And uh, so good day. Absolutely. And I'm curious, you know, the release of the schedule has kind of evolved over the last, you know, decade, whatever it is, it's, it's a little bit different than what it was, you know, years ago where it was just the NBA released the schedule. Now there's a bit more pomp and circumstance going on. So what do you think about the NBA kind of trying to become the NFL and, and make it a huge production of, of letting people know what these games are going to be? I mean, I get why they do it, but I mean, it doesn't have the same impact as the NFL. I don't think because the NBA season is so long. Um, I'm on record as saying it'd probably be better if it was more like 65 games I think I think kind of that final month everybody by then you know who's good who mm -hmm. deserves to go to the playoffs and whatnot so I don't think it can quite have the same impact as the NFL but I get why the NBA is doing it trying to trying to get some excitement going trying to get NBA yeah. Twitter buzzing and uh I yep. think they do that with the schedule absolutely and in the days leading up to today with the release of the schedule we kind of got a chance to see that the Hawks don't have any Christmas games this year um, do you think that that was a snub or do you think it's appropriate based on where they finished last year? Yeah, I mean, I think the Hawks got a little bit to prove. I mean, they they made the playoffs, but it wasn't easy. They got in and then they 
didn't play well once they were there. So it's kind of a, a reset for them. I think they were kind of all kind of, you know, the, the it team there for a minute when they went on the run and uh, gave Milwaukee a series. But last year was a disappointment. So now it's kind of like, let's see what you got. So I don't, I understand why they're not on Christmas Day and not, and not getting that marquee, marquee day. I agree. I think, you know, this year, especially with a lot of new faces on this roster, they're going to have to show that they're going to be taking a step forward as opposed to what happened last year. Um, where they kind of burned out in the in the playoffs against Miami there. So we got a chance to again, we've seen the ro- we've seen the schedule. Um, we see that they're opening up against Houston, hosting them at State Farm Arena. I mean, what do you think of that opening? I mean, it's not exactly what you would call a marquee opponent, considering that Houston is rebuilding. They've got a lot of young players. And, um, you know, they're not exactly a team that we can potentially see in the playoffs when the regular season ends in April. Yeah, I mean, you look at the, the over-unders at the at the sports books. Houston is 23 and a half. That's tied with the Spurs for the lowest at 23 and a half. So they're expected to be bad. Orlando's expected to be bad. Charlotte's expected to be, you know, uh, okay, I guess. So I think, uh, yeah, it's not a marquee opponent, but I think it's, it's good for the Hawks to kind of open with those kind of opponents, although in NBA, as we know, you can't overlook anybody, but it's good for the Hawks to kind of open with opponents that aren't so tough because then they have that road trip that kind of immediately comes, a five-game road trip that immediately comes, and then the schedule gets a lot tougher there in November. I was just about to say, I mean, the the Rockets, they have number three pick from this past year. They got the number two pick from last year. And, and I mean, if we remember when the Hawks faced Houston at the end of last season, Jalen Green dropped, what, 41 points? That's right. So you can never count anybody out. And, no. And I think, too, when you see a team that's it's it's very hungry, especially when they're younger. So obviously the Hawks can't sit on their laurels there. And as you mentioned, Orlando as well, another rebuilding team. But I think a little bit of the excitement might come based on the fact that we – I. I don't know if you even can call it a beef, but uh, <laughs> you saw that whole thing with DeJounte and Paolo Bencaro. I mean, if that's the most exciting part <laughs> of what you know is going to bring people into, into the arena, I mean, what do you make of that? Do you think that we can even call it a beef now or is it too <laughs> soon to even consider that? Uh, I wouldn't call it a beef because... You know, Paolo, he's a rookie. So let's, exactly. you know, I think which, that was kind of DeJounte's point was kind of like, you know, this this guy's a rookie. I think mm-hmm. DeJounte took it kind of far. But I, think, I mean, it, it's it's the summer NBA, man. That's kind of how it is. It's kind of, especially nowadays, with, with you know, the league is so young and, and the social media explosion. I mean, back, back in my day now, so old. But back when I covered <laughs> the league, it wasn't quite so intense with the social media. Now it is. And I think, you know, he's, he's kind of been the, the villain this summer. I mean, you see a lot mm-hmm. of people on NBA Twitter say, well, what happened to this guy? Like he signed with the Hawks and all of a sudden he's, He's kind of being this this villain, but I I, mean, I like it. Trey's kind of got that himself too, right? So now they yep. have to. I like it, but they have to go out and prove it. They have to prove that they are as good of a backcourt as everybody says that they should be. Exactly. I was just about to say, if you're gonna lean into being the heel in the NBA, you got to make sure that you <laughs> have the results that back that up. And if we're looking, you know, further, you mentioned that five game road trip. It's it's two games against Detroit then Milwaukee, Toronto, and then they finish it up in, in New York. So what do you think of that stretch that makes it, you know, something that's tough uh, for the Hawks that they'll need to kind of be really mindful of how they play each and every night? Yeah. Um, and it's, 
I mean, that was a good point what you said about, you know, Houston being kind of a young and hungry team and how that can that can give you little problems. That was kind of the Hawks' problem to begin last year. They didn't have that intensity. They didn't have that scrappiness. They didn't have that hungerness. And Trey Young came out and said it. You know, this is kind of boring yeah. compared to what we just had with the playoffs. And uh, in the end, that event, that slow start eventually cost them. So they have to come out this year with that mindset that, you know, we have to be scrappy. We have to be that hungry team. So, you know, at Detroit, two games at Detroit back-to-back like that. Well, not back-to-back, but two games in a row in Detroit. Um, you know, you got to be up for that. At Milwaukee. Another scrappy team. Another scrappy team with some athleticism, some youth. Uh, you can't you can't just walk in there. This is the NBA, man. Uh, Milwaukee have no problem getting up for that one, obviously. Yep. Toronto, another good team at New York. We know Trey Young loves the Garden. Um, and then you come back and you get um, New Orleans. Really a pretty tough, tough, tough home stretch yeah. with New Orleans, Milwaukee, Utah, Three. and Philadelphia. And then you're back out on the road and you come back with Boston, Toronto. I mean, that's a tough stretch right there. Yeah. So. The Hawks cannot this year afford, I think, to uh, come out nonchalant like they did last year and openly admitted it that they were kind of nonchalant. This is, this is the NBA. You got to you got to be ready. You got to be pros about this. I think they had that wake up call, I think, with the end of how everything finished out, as you mentioned at the beginning of of last season. So I I guess I anticipate seeing them being that scrappy team, especially if we see uh, DeJounte leaning into being a villain. I, I think that that shows that they want to have that intensity, that they never want to take a playoff, never want to take a game off. Um, so, Michael, if we're looking at where the Hawks will be after those first 20 games, what do you think we should expect from them? What do you think the record will be? Uh, I think they would do well to kind of be at 500, maybe a little bit above when you look at these opponents and having that five-game road trip right off the bat like that. I mean, they're at Milwaukee twice. They're at Philadelphia, and they got Philadelphia at home. They got Milwaukee at home as well. Toronto, Boston. I mean, that's, that's, there's some tough some tough, tough games there, which I think is good for them, to, uh, as I said earlier, to start off kind of with that Houston-Orlando-Charlotte at home to kind of get their, their footing before they go out on that road trip. So I think if they can be, you know, a little bit close to 500, and then you get it made up on the back end of the schedule where you only have five games in the last month, five row games in the last month, I think. So that's that's the good part about it. So yeah, about 500 or so, I think would be good to come out of that stretch, that early stretch. Yeah, I'm kind of with you on there. I think I, I personally don't see them necessarily going 10 and 10, but I could totally see them being maybe nine and 11 just because those Philly and Milwaukee matchups are just going to be brutal for them. And I think the fact that, you know, Philly added in PJ Tucker and he's, as they like to say, a dog on defense. They still got Embiid. You know, Philly has just gotten so much better. Um, and then when you look at Milwaukee, Giannis is always going to be kind of a, a mountain that you're going to have to climb there. So, you know, I personally see them if I'm putting a number on it, nine and 11. And then I think that, you know, because if you think about DeJounte and Trey kind of finding their footing together in that backcourt, you have to f- factor in uh, DeAndre and, and John and Clint. They're all going to be trying to find that chemistry. And even though we've seen that John and Trey and DeJounte have a little bit going for them based on what we've seen in that crossover uh, pro-am game, uh, I think it's still going to be a little bit different when you factor in what Nate, Nate McMillan will want to see them doing in his system. So um, there's also, yeah, I mean, also they have they have to get it together defensively. We can't forget about that. I mean, exactly. Have not been a good defensive team since since Trey's been here. And, you know, as I've said on a previous podcast, it's kind of on him and, and DeJounte to kind of kind of make that thing work. And I think that that goes defensively as well as offensively. 
Absolutely. This is the Hawks Report from the AJC. Hip-hop is a product of Black people. It's a product of Black song and celebration. The Atlanta Journal-Constitution presents Hip-hop's most pulled elements are pulled from the South. A Southern hip-hop store. We always go back to that moment of the Source Awards. Everybody wants your rhythm, but they don't want your blues. The biggest names in hip-hop. Atlanta is still the mecca for hip-hop. 50 years. No one can deny. One film. The power of the South now. The South got something to say. Streaming now at AJC.com slash hip-hop. Welcome back to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. I want to take this time to thank everyone who subscribes to the AJC and AJC.com. It's what makes all of this possible. Now, if you aren't a subscriber, you can go to subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. And your first month of unlimited digital access is just 99 cents. That's subscribe.ajc.com slash podcast. So you always know what's really going on. So Michael, of course, this isn't you know, a 20-game season, this is an 82-game season, and we've kind of alluded to that things are going to be tough for the Hawks at the beginning of the season. But, you know, maybe it'll kind of ease off a little bit as things progress. I think ease off maybe not might not be the right term to use just because, again, this is the NBA. Anything can happen any night. But I think we see that the opponents, they'll be a little bit more familiar with them. And, you know, with travel being cut down in the NBA, you know, hopefully that will lead to some far less fatigue from this team. So if you're looking ahead to, you know, from 21 to to 40 and, and beyond, I mean, what will be some of the challenges that they'll face if we're not factoring in fatigue? Yeah, um, I think it's those road trips, man. I keep going back to these road trips Yeah, at Golden State. Sacto, Lakers, Clippers. I mean, that's a four-game road trip, and those are three tough opponents. Um, you come back and you play one game against Milwaukee, and then you're already back out on the road. Um, and I know there are some, you know, some days off in there, here and there, but I mean, that to me is going to be the tough part is these these road trips. They're at Portland, which I don't know which way they're going to go this year. Maybe they'll be okay uh, at Phoenix, at Utah, Denver, at New Orleans. That's a tough. That's a tough road trip too. Like they didn't they didn't do many favors on the road trip. Like it seems like every road trip there's like every opponent is at least decent that they bunched them together. Like they don't get like, let's just go out and play Orlando once and come back. <laughs> it's like, yeah, well you go out and play Orlando, but you also got to play, you know, Philly. I see that. And you also got to play, you know, at Miami. It's like, so I think some of these road trips are going to be really challenging for them as far as the opponents. And I think that we can agree that objectively the rest of the NBA also got better, not just the Hawks, but just the NBA as a whole, I think, you know, one team that will be really tough for this Hawks team to face is is Minnesota. I mean, they added in Rudy Gobert. Right. Yeah. And we're going to have to think about the fact that they're going to have to pair Clint and John against likely Kat and Rudy Gobert. That's <laughs> a really big front court. That's yeah. a lot of size. Yeah. And you have to factor in that. Obviously, Kat can stretch the floor. So if you're looking at the rest of this roster, you mentioned Golden State as well. What other team that, as we said, got better, do you think that the Hawks should really, really have 
a really good game plan for. Yeah, I'm going to go with Boston. Um, to me, they're the most complete team in the East, I would say. Um, Milwaukee might be better talent-wise, but I think Boston just the fit that they have now. Um, I mean, we talked about the Hawks' defense. That's a team where you have to really be on your point because now they have more playmakers, more scorers, and they're a very good defensively team. And, you know, everybody Hawks fans, it's never been easy with Boston. And they are they are very – I mean, they – they won the East, and now they're better. Yep. So to me, yep. uh, that's those games against Boston, I think, are going to be uh, key. We mentioned New York a little bit before as well. How much of a factor do you think Jalen Brunson will be for, for New York? Do you think that, it, it's an, that he's enough to make New York a bit of a threat to the Hawks? Uh, wow, good question. Um, I still think the Hawks are the better team, but... You know, I think New York did get better with that move. Um, yeah, it's kind of weird how how quickly. I mean, it's one of the two franchises that Trey Young destroyed, right? Yeah. <laughs> it was, it was, like it was the Sixers. It was the six. It was the Knicks and the Sixers, right? Like after after the Hawks were done with them, like everything fell apart. Uh, yeah. So New York, you kind of always expect them to kind of underachieve because they usually have, except for that one run that the Hawks put to an end. So. Uh, I wouldn't say that they're be- they're a better team, but I wouldn't say that they're better than the Hawks. One thing that we'll also have to keep an eye on, of course, is the trade deadline. That usually falls within that first week of February, the first full week of February, around the first Thursday in February. So if you're making a way too early prediction, you know, where do you see the Hawks being? By that point, and is it enough for them to really say, now it's time to get rid of John Collins, or it's time for us to pull the trigger on someone so that we can really make that final push toward the playoffs? Oh, a future looking question. I like it. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think um, always looking to improve. There's always something to improve on. I think by that point, you know, we'll, we'll like I said, we'll know about the Hawks by then. Uh, I could see them. Definitely making a move if, if they need to. The general manager, the, I guess he's the president of basketball ops now, uh, Travis Schlink. He's uh, never been shy about making moves. Um, you know, we've seen the organizational, him and the owner, express regret about not making enough moves last year. So I could I could definitely see that. And, you know, I think a lot of the moves that he made, though, we're kind of saying we're going to keep this this core together for a little bit. So I think the moves you did see made would be kind of more on the, on the margins. And they do have some, some tradable players that they could, that they could put out, that they could put out there. So we'll see what happens when that time comes, who knows, maybe they'll be so good that they don't need any moves, but that usually rarely ever happens unless you're like Milwaukee, but even the, even the contenders always make a move here or there. Oh, for sure. I mean, I think we can look at what Boston did. I mean, granted they, they started off their season last year a little bit slow, that's a bit of an understatement, I know. Uh-huh. But then, you know, by the trade deadline, they brought aboard Derek White and they made their run all the way to the NBA Finals. So maybe a move like that is in the future for the Hawks. I think, you know, time will tell. But yeah, I mean, if we're if we're going back now to Murray and Trey and the rest of that core kind of figuring out how to make things work. What would you say is the ideal amount of games that they need in order to figure it out? Is 20 too much, too little? Um, I think for me, I would say, ideally, I would love for them to have things figured out by, you know, 
mid-December. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Um, we're not talking about rookies here. This is a veteran team. Trey's a veteran now. Dejounte's a veteran, which I think is good. Um, like a, he came in from a, a program that's that was used to winning, is now finally um, tanking it. But I think, yeah, I think that's fair. By mid-December, you want to kind of have everything kind of figured out and, and know who you are. Uh, I think the defense could take longer to figure out because that that requires a lot of trust, as we know, a lot of communication. So that kind of takes a little, and it's not been part of the culture here for a long time now. So I think that part might take a little longer. But I think, yeah, by mid-December, you should have the whole, you know, our how, how are uh, Trey and DeJounte going to share the ball? You should have that figured out. You should have your power rotation figured out. You should figure out which of your young guys uh, will be contributors. And from there, you should be looking to, to take off, to grow up through uh, December and January. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we, as you mentioned, they're not rookies and we definitely would like to see them figure things out quickly. I think I'm a little bit optimistic based on what I I got a chance to watch in that Pro-Am game that, you know, John and Trey and DeJounte played in that pro um in that pro-am game and the crossover. Um I I I just I just hope to see them get the defense clicking. I think DeJounte is kind of that factor that they needed to, I guess, help glue it together. And they added in other vet- veterans like Justin Holiday and um Mo Harkless, Frank Kaminsky. And they're obviously bringing back Onyeka and, you know, several other guys. So we hope to see them make things click quickly. Um, but again, the schedule, it's its not kind to them. There's a lot of traveling. Um, and maybe it'll be a chance for those rookies to, to make their mark, especially if injuries happen just because of how, how rigorous things are. So... You know, obviously we have A.J. Griffin and Tyrese Martin in the mix. And, you know, from what you've seen of at least Tyrese, um, I mean, maybe even what you saw of A.J. in college, how do you see them factoring into this roster? And, I mean, can you anticipate a time that you see them making a debut this season? Wow. I mean, the wings are so deep. I'm I'm looking at them right now. Murray, Bogey, uh, Holiday. I mean, where does Griffin get in there? Where does where does Tyrese get in there? Um, small forward DeAndre Bogey again, Holiday. I mean, it's 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 four deep with veterans, you know, five deep with veterans at those two positions. So it's going to be tough to get in there. But uh, and as we know, Nate traditionally hasn't really pushed his his young guys, hasn't really you know given them a long leash and given them a lot of time. So um, they'll have to show what they have in training camp, and that's why I think. What you said is true by mid-December, you should know. So, I mean, the clock's ticking for these young guys. Are you going to be able to help us or not? Because by the time you get in there and now you get into January and talk about playoff position, and now here comes the trade deadline. Next thing you know, here come the playoffs. Uh, you can't be depending on young guys still learning. You got to – I mean, this is a team that's trying to win now. So, yeah, it's going to be tough for them to crack that rotation. If we're looking now ahead a little bit more again, we're anticipating that they'll likely make up a lot of their minutes with the Skyhawks, which isn't necessarily the worst thing in the world. But obviously, we're looking ahead to now January really quickly again. I know we're bouncing around the schedule a little bit, but the Hawks have their game, which is 
the MLK Day game. It's supposed to happen at 3.30 on January 16th against the Heat. Yeah, a good game. A good game. Um, Do you think that this Hawks team will be able to live up to the expectations that everyone has for them? But, you know, if they're not clicking by December, December, uh, mid-December, would January 16th be an appropriate day to say, all right, it's time to, you know, get it going or make the decision that it's time to just pivot in another direction? Yeah, I mean, that's game 44. It's like, you know, half the season. So I would say, yeah, I mean, by then you should know. You should know what kind of team you are. There's trade deadline still coming up, like we mentioned, but you should know by then what what's working and what's not. Um, yeah, that's a good game though on, on a on yeah. MLK Day. The opponents for that game haven't always been great over the years, but that's 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 a great matchup. So, I'm curious too, Michael. In terms of which team intrigues you, you've mentioned Boston. I've mentioned Minnesota. Um, beyond those two, which one do you think? will give the Hawks the most trouble. Beyond Boston, and who was the other one you said? Minnesota. I had Minnesota. Um, well, it's, it's got to be the Bucks, right? Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> the Bucks have always given them trouble. Um, the Bucks are deep, and they're good, and they have a superstar. And um, figuring out Giannis is always key, but it, if it's everybody – here knows when the Bucks beat the Hawks in the program, uh, playoffs, Giannis was hurt, and it was the other guys who stepped up. And I think that's what hurt them last year was not having Middleton. Um, if they have him, maybe they maybe they go and they win it again. So I think the Bucks still, I think, even though Boston won the East, the Bucks are still a big lit- litmus test in the East, and they were uh, definitely give the Hawks problems with their their size on the wings, especially if you kind of consider Giannis kind of plays like a wing anyway. So their size on the wings has always given uh, the Hawks trouble. And uh, I think, you know, Trey and, and DeJounte are a good backcourt, but they're kind of a small backcourt. Uh, we talked about <laughs> defense earlier. Hunter's got to be a big part of that. Uh, he kind of his, his defense kind of regressed last year. Um, he hasn't been able to stay healthy, which, you know, isn't necessarily his fault, but that's just been the reality. So um, you need him for that matchup too. So I think um, – yeah, it's got to be the Bucks. I think I, I I have to agree with that one, especially because Middleton will be back. Uh, we know that Drew Holiday is pretty much a menace on defense. <laughs> yes. And especially if this team doesn't get things going as quickly as they need to defensively, I can see the Bucks kind of carving them up a bit, especially because they have Drew, who can go off at any point, Middleton, who can go off at any point. And then, as you mentioned, obviously Giannis. And then we're also not factoring in kind of their role players like Bobby Portis, Pat Connaughton, and even Grayson Allen. George Hill. So, yeah. So the bench of that Bucks team is, is going to be very deep. And I think the Hawks have a little bit more depth this year, but I don't think you can say that it's necessarily – the same caliber of the Bucks bench, if we're being honest. So I think for me too, the other team that might give the Hawks a little bit of trouble and and maybe maybe this is silly, but I, I think Toronto could be uh-huh. can be a bit of a problem for them. I mean, Van Vliet is always 
Van Vliet. <laughs> and then obviously you've got rookie of the year, Scotty Barnes, who, who played really well last season. And he's a great two-way player. And I think he's poised for a really solid breakout season. He's young, he's hungry. Um, and I also think, I also think Chicago could be a little bit of a problem. I mean, they're going to yeah. be, you know, hungry as well to come back after their their first round exit in the playoffs. And they're bringing back much of the same cast, you know, minus minus a few other people. So I think that's another team that can can pose a bit of a problem for them. So if we're now wrapping things up a little bit, we're at the end of the season. Do you see this Hawks team, you know, having what it takes to be a playoff team, not a play-in team, but a playoff team. A playoff team, not a play-in team. Not a play-in team, a playoff team. Yes. Yes, I do. Um, I would put them, wow, it's so hard to say now. I know. Yeah. It's, it's especially a with the, especially early with all prediction. The, especially with all the Nets drama. It's like, who knows with them? Yeah. <laughs> it's a way too early It would early help prediction. the Hawks a lot if the Nets would just continue to be dysfunctional. Uh, <laughs> Uh, but I think realistically, they're f- at least fifth in the East. Maybe they could move up into that top four and get a home a home series. But I, w- I think fifth in the East is pretty pretty fair for them expectation, and um, that's probably going to mean you know forty seven wins, forty forty five yeah. to fifty wins, right, to be fifth. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's going to take good health. But yeah, I think they they definitely can do the Hawks. Are a good team. Um, as I said, that start last year really hurt them. Uh, the matchup with Miami was terrible. They were tired. They were tired. I mean, it's not an excuse because they they were in the playing game because they didn't play well enough all year. But they were tired after coming out the playing game. So yeah, so they can live up to that to be like the fourth, fifth place in the team East, and that's you know that's that's a good spot for them and get take your best shot at those top four, especially uh, Boston and Milwaukee. I think if I'm giving my way to early prediction, I I could see them being sixth just because I just think the East is is so deep. As I say, East is the beast, right? (laughs) Um, And if we're looking at Boston, Milwaukee, Philly, uh, Toronto, uh, I mean, Cleveland can be a wild card as well. Yes. um, Especially because they brought back Ricky Rubio, I, I'm not super sure what the timeline is for him based on his injuries, but if they bring him back, I mean, he was part of the reason that they they had that huge run at the beginning where they were, I believe they got up to the third seed at one point. Yeah. So, and they have Karis, and they just have so many different factors that can, you know, make them pretty far up in the seating, in, in my opinion. That's a good point, because there's like four East teams that can kind of go either way. They'll look at like... Yeah. Nets, Raptors, kind of that Nets, Raptors, Bulls, Cavs kind of group, and maybe even the yeah. Knicks. I know I, I down talked the Knicks early just because I always expect something to go wrong. But yeah. you know that, that kind of group right there. Maybe they they could rise up. Maybe they they don't. Um, so yeah, the East is definitely deep, as you said. And uh, but so yeah, you say six, I say fifth. I think both of those are are, are fair assessments. Reasonable. Yeah. All right. Well, we've chatted about the schedule. So, Michael, really quickly, what do you got going on? What are you working on um, over the next couple of days? Um, well, you know, the Braves have the big series here this weekend or this week yep. against the Mets. So everybody's looking at that. I'm looking forward to that game tonight, actually. Um, I like 
watching Scherzer and DeGrom pitch for the Mets. Uh, college football is right around the corner, so mm-hmm. soon I'll be making my picks, and hopefully I'll get most of them right. All right. Well, you can find my work as well as Michael's work at theajc.com. Please don't forget to rate, review, follow, share, and subscribe. That is what really, really helps us grow our audience, grow this podcast, and continue to give you the content that you guys are looking for. So stick with us. You know, the season's right around the corner, so we'll definitely have more content coming as well. And with that, I'll sign off. I'm Lauren Williams, and thank you for listening to the Hawks Report from the Atlanta Journal-Constitution.